think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean anyway? I mean, it certainly means different things to different people. Okay. Recording. Okay. Welcome okay. to... <laughs> welcome to Feature Creep, colon... Built-in microwave, semicolon. Um, shorts. This one's a short one where we're going to talk about the book Utopia in our series of Designing Dystopia. Um, so if you didn't listen to the big podcast um, that came before this one where we kind of talked about the idea of um, designing dystopia, we're going to uh, be spending a couple of episodes talking about um, works of fiction where people have imagined dystopian nightmares. Um, we're going to just talk about that as sort of a topic. And this one is going to be specifically about um, this book that was written by Thomas More. Um, and it was it was published in England in 1516. Mm -hmm. um, uh, sorry, no, it was published in 1516. It was first published in English in 1551. Um, and this book is called Utopia. And the reason this is important is that um, dystopia comes from the concept of utopia, right? Right. And so... Um, we will define these things. Yeah. And so Thomas More wrote this book in Latin in 1516. Um it's sort of a frame narrative primarily depicting a fictional island society and its religious, social, and political customs. Um, it's. I want to interject really quickly. It's interesting please, to me that yeah. utopias always have to be, like one of the defining characteristics of a utopia is that it's set apart from the natural way of things. Yeah, I was actually, this idea is something that I was thinking about um in the concept like when we were talking about it in the in the start when we started this whole thing in the last yeah. podcast where it's like they um, can't exist without being heavily engineered or something yeah and the idea that um you know i was kind of wondering is like is a utopia or dystopia something that has to be some section of a larger body of of society or is it can it be all consuming um i you know and, and we don't have to to resolve that right now we'll just right. kind of um so to kind of stick to the top or to kind of continue with the utopia book so thomas more wrote this book called utopia in 1516 written in latin um and as we kind of said it kind of covers uh it's this fictional it's it's depicting this fictional island society and uh it's been um it's been suggested that many aspects of this book are reminiscent of life in a monastery mm. um and so you can kind of uh imagine that his idea of what a utopia and this is where we kind of mentioned this before that the difference between a dystopia and a utopia may be as trivial as your frame of mind um, sure. i have not read this book utopia um i'm just kind of paraphrasing from crib notes that i've got from wikipedia and, and other sources but um I, I can imagine read parts of it obviously not in the original latin <laughs> sure yeah uh, i'm positive that i read excerpts of it when i was studying ethics i'm sure you did yeah. and i also imagine that um for some people this may sound like a utopia and for others it's a dystopia right right that's part of the problem of designing a dystopia is that um or conversely a utopia, a utopia. is that how for do who? you for who and right. what is you know what constitutes why that's good or bad um 
Yeah, because these things are not taken to be inherently true or exist in the world around us, that they need to be heavily engineered and set apart from the way of things. Um, it would seem that you can't have a discussion about utopia being a perfect society without asking a perfect society for who. Right. Yeah. Who is the who is the person or people that are um, enjoying this utopian existence? Right. And why? Why? Um, so uh, it's anyway. It's it seems like it's quite a large work. Um, mm-hmm. It seems to be in two books um and uh the so i was just the reason that i bring this up is that i think it helps us put um more context into the idea of designing a dystopia like what are the factors that need to be there um for instance in in thomas moore's imagination of a utopia it's this sort of island state um it's got uh these sort of um these like a lot of the issues are sort of solved around the idea of like if everyone was just sort of religious and like behaved like a monk in a monastery then things would be great um (laughs) so it it kind of it it's you know, in the context of being written in 1516, um, obviously, like a lot of his thinking is going to stem from um, his current sort of social existence and what, you know, what would he change to make it better? Um, And so when we're designing a dystopia, like we can kind of think about, um, you know, one of the more easier routes to designing a dystopia might be to look at your current society and like, how could you make it worse? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like uh, you could like repress the masses with, um, you know, a military force of some kind or some kind of sure. like, you know, you could use like if you had, say, like a police force, you could use them to repress the masses and enforce um behaviors and things you know the way that you believe they should behave Mm -hmm. um and and that creates a very dystopian environment for those people who are being repressed um, or being suppressed uh you could create a society in which um everyone believes that you can get ahead but you could make it worse by making it impossible for them to actually do that by creating a dynamic in which um you're kind of constantly juggling revolving debt and you're able, never able to really get yourself out of that existence. Out right? of obligation to somebody else. Yeah, out of obligation, mm-hmm. out of a sort of kind of slavery of kind. Um, yeah. Or, you know, it kind of harks back to like sharecropping, right? Where it's kind servitude. of like, you know, in th- yeah, it's servitude. In theory, you're free. You're free, but then when you actually look at that, it's like, well, I'm not actually free. In order to continue my current existence, I must continue to be in servitude to someone else who's profiting from my labor. Right. Um, and you're not free to do anything else despite what other people tell you. Right. Um, so you're free to choose among the things that we offer you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, I mean, I think if you're designing a dystopia, it's important to kind of keep in mind that, um, it might be worth us, taking this discussion and seeing how we could push it away from um the kind of more normal way of being like okay this is the society and the way human humans exist 
how could we make it worse to something else entirely? Like how could we make, um, like, I'm not really sure. I'm suddenly like thinking about, um, there's this book called, uh, I have no mouth and I must scream. Um, Oh, nice. And I'm going to just pull it up here to kind of give a better, a better summary of it. But, um, it's a short story. It was written by Harlan Ellison. Um, and it's, it's this, so it takes place in the, um, in some future, you know, imagined future where, um, the like nuclear war has resolved, um, like a brutal world war. And basically, uh, this artificial intelligence called allied master computer or am, um, is basically the like sole surviving, like kind of entity on the planet and am keeps alive i think like some some small number of humans i think maybe five or six and he keeps them alive and just tortures them um in perpetuity like they can't die he brings them back to life he kills them he brings them back to life he does Mm -hmm. all these things um he does all of these things to punish them for um i don't remember exactly why uh the the reasoning why like i don't want to i'm i'm kind of butchering the book it's been a long time since i read it but um or the <laughs> short story but uh but anyway the short story kind of revolves around um am torturing these humans uh for over 100 years or something yeah four four men and one woman that he keeps alive in capti- captivity within an endless underground housing complex um yeah, so Am derives its sole semblance of pleasure from torturing the group on a daily basis. Mm. Um, and so he's basically uh, this, like, so this is the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, so like now we're kind of talking about um, a certain dystopia where it's like you've, in this imagination of a dystopia, uh, Thomas Ellison has... Um, Harlan has a, a Harlan, yeah, sorry. Harlan Ellison has imagined that the suffering of the suffering of five humans is enough to represent the like the suffering. I mean, it is all of humanity at this point. They are the yeah. only remaining five humans, and um, and they their suffering suffices to create a very particular kind of dystopia. Um, so his design of this dystopia is like for these five humans, like they live, you know, the suffering of many, 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 many individuals in some ways. Right. Like, sure. um, they bear an outsized so, portion. Yeah. And so, uh, but I, you know, the thing about this particular dystopia, um, or this imagination. So I guess we're kind of talking about two books here. We're talking, we started with utopia and I've already kind of segued into, um, <laughs> into i have no mouth and i must scream um i don't even remember why i got on that uh oh uh, my point is just like sort of context like uh, we'll we'll come back to that one we'll discuss it more so the idea of um in utopia it's the in that book by um uh what's his name thomas Uh, thomas thomas more it it's all in the context of like his his reference right his frame yeah. of mind yeah. he's designing this utopia based on that um and so in our quest to design a dystopia i think we should be mindful that our personal existence will color a lot of these things 
oh yeah this is gonna be real subjective for me yeah i mean it's gonna be very subjective and i think um i mean i don't think either of us for even a minute uh have the illusion that it won't be i just think it's important to actually like state that like as as one of the premise like it's yeah my model for dystopia just starting out is not a blank canvas it's fucking san francisco california united states america august 2020 exactly right yeah (laughs) (coughs) or like the first time i was in california was 2015 and it's just all been reinforcing that same first impression (laughs) ever since uh-huh. uh-huh um yeah so uh yeah so let's um i think this short is basically what we you know i just kind of wanted to kind of establish that so um yeah so like thomas moore had a, a book on utopia that's an old one i mean yep. an old one when we think of like things that are sort of applicable to the modern world there's also you know uh, like we talked about in the long episode um plato and aristotle wrote about utopias um nicomachean ethics is one of them and uh plato's republic is another where they discuss the actual like how do you build a republic uh, that's a utopia and how, how must it be structured and things like that and what's very clear from reading those is that the the viewpoint of the person who wrote those is creating a utopia for someone exactly like them right right i this kind of just this weird thought popped into my head that um that in many ways like our the sort of nature of the way we are like if you look at history is that we're kind of like you know we live from one dystopia to the next Mm -hmm. and and the question just becomes, is that getting better or worse? Or does it not change at all? Um, Are we talking about like of, the, uh, if we look at each of these things as like plots on a graph and look at the yeah, like, of it? Yeah, you know, so for the current sort of um, existence under Trump versus say, uh, you know, and obviously like our suffering <clears> from that is yet to really be fully realized. But um, there's you know, you look back to other weird fucked up times um, and you just kind of wonder like, what's the, you know, is, are things getting better? I mean, I think you could kind of argue as a human of being alive now, even with, you know, the idiocy that is the current administration and the mishandling of this, uh, of the, um, of the current pandemic, you were still better off than say, um, you know, like Spanish flu times or something like that. It's like, Um, it's hard to say, right? Because when you break that down, you look at, uh, and this echoes an argument that I've had with someone for like 10 years now or 12. How long have we known each other? Not me and you, this other person. Yeah, I was um, going to say. <coughs> we've been having an argument for about 12 years. 16 goddamn fucking years. Sorry. 16, fuck, 17, 18 years. Yeah. How long have we been married? 18. Too goddamn long. Years. Um, Sorry. My point is like, yeah, (coughs) I have a lot of phlegm. I'm phlegmy today. This topic is phlegmy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm dying of COVID. Um, I forget what I was going to say. I'm totally off track now. Oh, this argument. Oh, the argument Um, that we've had that like like, his his argument is that on balance, things are getting better for everybody day by day. And my argument is no, they're not. So (laughs) I, yeah, there is, um, I will have to, there's a book. Someone wrote a book. Someone wrote a book about this um, and provides like real evidence to support that things are on bet, like 
on balance, balance for humanity in general, when you average everybody out, things are yeah. better than they used so to be. It is, so it is a book, I, I think it's a book we put in our reading list, so we'll have to bring it up. I'm, I'm okay. not going to remember the name of it, and I'm not going to derail the podcast that much to try and find <laughs> it. So, um, but I think, so we've reached 15 minutes, if this is a short, which we titled it as, um, I think we should, we should call it good. Okay, um, so... So what do we did? What did we establish? So we basically we very very briefly, I I don't know. I think I'm already kind of at the mindset that um, discussing an individual book in the concept of designing dystopia is not going to be a short for us. It, there's a lot to read and a lot to respond to. Probably there is, and <clears throat> I I think. Um, <clears throat> I think we can just call this a short because it'll be like, you know, this is in our series of designing dystopia and we're basically, you guys can fumble around in the dark with us on this one. Yeah. I think that's just going to have to be the way it is because, um, I don't think we can really do this justice and not have longer conversations. So, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I mean, we could certainly do shorts that are like little book reports for people, which would require us to read the entire source material. And then if we talk about it later, it wouldn't be yeah. totally out of context. But that's a lot of reading, too. It is a lot of reading. Um, we already prepare so much for these. We do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> so much. Uh, I, I mean, I, we can talk, too, about like, you know... Uh, one of the conver- this is just really quickly one of yep. the conversations that i had with one of my professors was about <clears throat> the fact that if you claim to build a society that's a utopia that upfront prima facie discounts some people as less than human i would say that you have failed yes and i think that's pretty um pretty critical i think that um so that puts me at odds with most of the men who have written about utopias ever Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, and I think that's kind of something we covered a little bit in um, the initial discussion of this, which is that at some point we've decided, well, since we're not discussing utopias and we're discussing dystopias um, as a design philosophy, then we need to be aware that discounting um, entire groups of people is a fundamental core principle of creating a dystopia dehumanization is is a core principle i think i'm gonna put that down as number eight yeah oh no i put Um, number eight i put information control so could this fall under bodily autonomy maybe number seven but i feel like but i feel like dehumanization is a separate issue oh Um, okay i'm putting it as number nine then okay i think i mean we may we may redress that and find more common ground again but um I think dehumanization is a big factor um, because you can you can kind of in a dystopia you have your sort of like your body of people and you may cre- like their their status is still below the leadership um, yeah but they're still considered members of the society whereas a dehumanization is suddenly you're no longer even a member of the society which is this kind of concept of like layers of dystopia right where yeah you um, become an object yeah and that's i think that kind of comes back to my fundamental argument of even when you're at the top 
of the dystopian society and you are the supreme leader of whatever, you know, or however you entitle yourself to emperor or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you yourself live in a dystopia and it is going to be suffering for yourself as well. Like you're not better off than if you lived in a utopian society, even at the bottom. Yeah. Because you, you're not, um, you know, you're still subject to the fundamental baseline that 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 dystopian society exists in. You can't ever escape right. that. Yes. There's no place to go up from. Um, you are at the top of it. And you are at the top of that, and the, and it's a sinking ship. Right. Um. So. Utopias are sinking ships, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> right. All right. I think that's. Um, I think that's good. I think we can call that a short. Okay. All right. Great job, everyone. Yeah, good job. Okay. All right. Go Thanks for listening. Stick with us. We'll have you running your own despotic. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to the bottom of this um, any day now. <laughs> any day now. Yeah. Good deal. Okay. okay. <laughs> Bye.